Welcome to Better Food Stories, a show that celebrates real food and the people and companies who make it. I'm Audrea Greenhoff, and in this interview series, I'm sitting down with the entrepreneurs behind some of today's newest and most innovative food brands out there to find out what it really takes to make it in this highly competitive space. Entrepreneurial journey of different food industry business owners, what got them into the food industry, and how they started their businesses. And while this episode is a little bit like that, we are switching things up by talking more about broader food topics. And today is not exactly food, but we're going deep into wine, one of my favorite topics. I am chatting with Tracy Nielsen, and she is the founder, CEO, and assistant winemaker of La Pichun Winery, one of the most coveted producers in Sonoma County, known for their unapologetic wines that are reminiscent to the kind of farmhouse wines you'd find throughout Burgundy, France. In my conversation with Tracy, you'll learn how her love of food inspired her to go into the wine business, what makes Sonoma County an optimal location for finding and producing great wines, and Tracy also shares her tips for pairing wine and food and her recommendations for fall and holiday wines. So if you are a wine lover, I think you're gonna get a lot out of this episode. And also if wine is something that you might be interested, but maybe something that's a little intimidating or something that you wanna find out more about, I think you're gonna find a lot of value in this conversation as well. Like always, you can find the show notes to this and every episode of the Better Food Stories podcast on my website, audriagreenhoff.com slash podcast. And if you enjoyed how we switched things up in this episode, I would really appreciate you letting me know by dropping a review on iTunes and sharing your feedback. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Tracy Nielsen of La Pichun Winery. Tracy, welcome to Better Food Stories. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. I am really excited to get into this conversation about wine with you. So why don't we jump right into it and start by you telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, my name is Tracy Nielsen, and I'm the founder and assistant winemaker at La Pichune. And our focus is Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. We also make uh, Rosé and Chenin Blanc. La Pichune was actually the home of Julia Child. She had a well, it, it is yes. Okay. That's oddly that's just a coincidence. Oh, so we, interesting. Yeah, yeah. We also have a family property in the south of France. And it's called La Pichune. And I was inspired by a lot of rosé that's being made in Provence. And I thought, you know, La Pichune, it translates loosely as the little one. Mm -hmm. And since we're a very small producer, we only make about 1,200 cases of wine a year. And we're, you know, we're the small fish in the big pond wineries. And uh, I just thought it fit. And to us, you know, wine is about sharing with friends and family, and it has this sense of place and meaning. And so the name just seemed to fit and speak to us. So it's Very just, cool. it's really a coincidence. Yeah, that, happy coincidence. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So tell me how you got into wine. So 
My love of wine actually starts with my love of food. Um, we were talking earlier, I was getting excited about that. And, you know, when my, when I was younger, my parents didn't necessarily limit us to the kids menu. And I had fallen in love with Chateaubriand and tableside Caesar salad before I even knew how to drive. So, um, and then as I got older, I discovered that food could be elevated by adding a glass of wine and that wine could also evolve when paired with certain food. And so I, you know, my husband and I, we used to live in Sausalito. And when we first lived in the Bay Area, we fell in love with Pinot Noir in Sonoma County, specifically the Sonoma Coast. And I had tried to get into the industry. My background is actually sales and marketing. And I had started taking classes at UC Davis. I was going to go get my master's in winemaking. And I had also tried to get get in on the production side. I wanted to drive a forklift and wanted to be involved in harvest or sell barrels or you know, glass or cork, whatever it was. And I Mm -hmm. had a really hard time getting hired because I didn't have any experience. And so it was tricky. And and a lot of people thought, oh, you know, you don't know how to drive a forklift. You you don't look like you can move these barrels around. And so that's when I decided to go back to school and take the classes. And then as luck would have it, I met our current winemaker, Andrew Burge, at a party through a mutual friend and he was looking to get out of what he was doing. He was working with another Sonoma County winery for many years and I was really determined to get into the industry. And, you know, my husband and I jokingly said, how, how hard could it be? (laughs) (laughs) And it turns out incredibly challenging. So, Um, But we started in 2012 with just five tons of Pinot Noir, and we made one Pinot and one Rosé, and now we're up to over 20 tons, and like I said, we make roughly 1,200 cases a year now, so... And how serendipitous that that happened meeting your winemaker. I know! It It really was, and you know, it's scary, you know, you're putting yourself out there, we're like jumping into this together, and... I, I got to tell you, it's the most um, fun and expensive college course I ever took and <laughs> don't even have a transcript for it. So, <laughs> You specialize in Pinot Noir. You said you had rosé and also Chardonnay. Um, mm-hmm. Can you take us through some of the like classic flavors, characteristics of these types of wines? So, you know... I mentioned I love to drink old wines. I love old Burgundy wines. Pinot mm-hmm. Noir, it, the home is Burgundy, France. And Pinot can be very tricky when you're making it and growing it. It can be very moody and unpredictable. It's very sensitive to its environment. And there can be a lot of variation from vintage to vintage. But mm-hmm. when it's good... It's amazing. It can really take your breath away. Uh, what, you know, I'll speak to at least making Pinot Noir in Sonoma County. What's really yeah. unique is Sonoma County is very diverse. And you can go from 
the Sonoma Coast to the Russian River Valley, and then there's high mountain peaks. And this variation actually creates an optimal optimal environment uh, to grow it, and we end up with a really great result. And Andrew and I tend to be very terroir obsessed, and we think that the soil matters and the weather matters and the way the wind blows it all matters and has an impact on what's going to happen with that wine mm-hmm. and across the board you know you can have a sonoma coast pinot noir that is i like to describe it as more of the bramble versus the berry mm-hmm. you're going to especially those cooler climate flavors you're going to get more raspberry cranberry blue fruits, more peppery notes versus Russian River, which has more bright cherry or even black cherry, baking spice, very different soil profiles contribute to more different profiles in the wine as well. So there's just so much diversity and that's really what we love about it. And Chardonnay, you know, Chardonnay is the most widely planted grape in the U.S. so or even worldwide is it really that's interesting yeah and what's interesting about Chardonnay is that it's also the most popular that people buy in the U.S. Mm -hmm. it's the most sold white wine and but it's not all created equal I think that typically California Chardonnay can be very over oaked and just heavy on your palate and Mm -hmm. we're trying to just with our wines in general whether it's pinot noir or chardonnay or chenin blanc or even rosé we want our wines to be balanced we want them to have nuance and we want them to represent the site where they came from so that that's really what's most important i drink chardonnay all the time it's my favorite i actually love uh-huh. pinot noir and chardonnay i would say are my my top and awesome. i actually went to a wine tasting with my husband on sunday and we tried a chardonnay or it was a few different chardonnays from napa and sonoma in that area and one of them was um made in glass uh, not glass i'm sorry like in in metal or the tanks, the uh-huh. tanks, yes. And then we tried that versus the one in the oak barrels, and it really was such a difference. I mean, both of them were really delicious, but it does make such a difference what the what the oak does to them. I'm really happy that you mentioned that. We uh, use all French oak in all of our wines. What we're really trying to do, you heard me mention, we're trying to make a very balanced wine. So. Mm-hmm. Balancing the oak with the fruit is a very important part of that. And we try to minimize the oak in our Chardonnay, but we like it. We barrel ferment all of our Chardonnay. Okay. So we like that. We we look for the texture and the weight that oak can give on your palate versus you don't want to feel like you're gnawing on a piece of wood (laughs) (laughs) per se but we do like that that weight that it gives in your palate or even can add a little bit of length or um fill a little hole in in the wine and um we also stir the lees or it's called batonage and we we like to do that because that also gives a little bit more texture 
and character in the wine. And it gives more of a toasty brioche note versus Mm -hmm. when it gets very heavy on the oak, it can be more like a buttery popcorn. And we, we really want to balance that oak with the fruit. And we also love natural acid in our wines because something really unique that I think that we're doing at La Pichun is we're making wines with potential to age and a lot of um, wineries will, it's just a different style, but they'll let the fruit hang on the vine a little bit longer. They have higher alcohol content in their wine. The fruit is a little more forward and they can be just a very different style. We're trying to make something a little more elegant. And when you have that natural acid in wine, that is what gives it that potential to age. And we think that that's something unique that we're doing. So you touched on this a little bit um, just a few minutes ago when talking about Sonoma and what makes it really special. One of the things, and, you know, I think I mentioned this before, not a wine expert at all. I like to drink wine. I don't claim to know a ton about it, which is part of why I'm really excited talking to you. Um, One of the first things I learned um, and one of the first wine tastings I did, it wasn't so much about whether you're, you know, a Chardonnay person or a Merlot person or, you know, any other style. It really has to do with the region. So... One of the first things I learned was that if you happen to like wines from Sonoma, Napa, then you probably like more than one variety. Sure. Okay. okay. So tell me about, you know, what the what Sonoma, like the climate and why it lends itself to these particular kinds of wines. Sure. Well, you heard me mention that it's very diverse mm-hmm. and you can go from the coast out to Rush River Valley to Sonoma Mountain, and we make wines from all of those different AVAs. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is that what makes it really pretty optimal to grow the kind of fruit that we want to work with is that you get this fog influence from the coast. And at night, the fog will come in and it gets really cold. And some of these vineyards that we work with, they can be very exposed on the coast. And the wind will come in and just whip through and the fog and the grapes are really kind of fighting to grow. And these are the grapes we want to work with because you get these really nice tight clusters and these um, very delicious berries that are unique to that area versus maybe in Carneros where you can also grow some Pinot Noir, but the climate is very different. It's typically much warmer. Soil types can be different as well. So you heard me mention terroir and that's really, you know, it loosely translates as sense of place, right? And Mm so we're really trying to represent that in the bottle. And we, I mentioned that there can be a lot of vintage variation because there can be so so much variability with the weather conditions and you can have um you know we had a a frost one year in the middle of butt break and so the crop was very light but the grapes that we got were very high quality and there's just a lot of variability but ultimately 
I just think that the weather and the soil and, um, you know, all that variation does create that optimal environment to grow the highest quality grapes that we want to work with. I think that's so interesting what you mentioned that maybe, you know, like the fog or the frost, which seems like not optimal weather right. conditions can actually yield something that's even, even more delicious. That's so interesting. Not so much the frost, but the cool evenings. It gives the grapes kind of a chance to rest, right? And, okay. and take a break. And then when the sun comes out, we get the, you know, we get almost 300 sunny days a year. That's also why it's kind of the unoptimal environment as well. I am really excited to chat with you about wine pairings. I know this is something that you have a lot of knowledge on and can, can share with our audience from your perspective, I feel to start with wine in general can sometimes be intimidating to people. I think, you know, just the variety and the the language of it sometimes can seem intimidating, especially mm-hmm. when you're choosing a wine to pair with food. Um, mm-hmm. So do you have any tips and do you think there's any, you know, misconceptions that people might have about pairing wine and food? Yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't, I don't consider myself an expert by any means, but I, I love it. I love doing wine pairings because I like, I like to think of wine as a condiment, right? So I, I think if you just on a basic level, if you pay attention to how the food tastes, the texture, how it smells, I think it's fun to taste the wine and then take a bite of the food that you're serving and then taste the wine again. And then you can see, you know, how the wine evolves. And when it's done right, it can elevate the entire experience. You know, I just had this amazing pairing uh, with a winemaker dinner that we did in San Diego. And it was a stone fruit and arugula salad. And we paired it with our Chenin Blanc. And so I think a good rule is, you know, if you have high acidity foods, you should pair it with a high acid wine because you don't want the wine to get lost or go flat with that pairing. And it just was unbelievable. Or something else I like to pair our Chenin Blanc with is oysters because you just get that briny salty ocean flavor which you know you pair it with the bright acid and the trap the classic tropical notes of the Chenin Blanc like some of those stone fruits it's just a balance and I I think I kind of rather than try and match the wine exactly with the flavor of the food that you're you're making I like it to more fill a hole so I another example is I worked with the chef that we did a pairing it was mushy pork and I think pork goes fantastic with pinot noir there's just that you know there's a nice fatty salty and then you're pairing with the fruit and the acid and and the nice structure and tannins of the pinot but instead of making a plum sauce that you would typically see with the mushu pork we used he marinated the pork in some of the wine for starters and then 
we use the wine as the pairing to fill that hole of the plum sauce. So our Holder Vineyard Pinot Noir has more um, black cherry and baking spice and um, a little bit of cranberry as well that just filled that hole for the plum sauce. Rather, you know, if we had the plum sauce on the table, I think it would have overpowered the wine, but instead the wine just elevated the main course. So it was, it was pretty fantastic experiment. Oh, that sounds delicious. I love Pinot Noir with pizza. Um, Me too. Like a pepperoni or like a sausage pizza. Oh my god! I was just going to say it's (laughs) sausage pizza. I'm pretty sure I eat that once a week. Thin crust, thin crust, sausage, and a little bit of fennel with a Pinot Noir. Forget it. That's like, that's my desert island. (laughs) I love that. Oh, so good. So when this episode airs, we're going to be, I mean, we're in in the middle of summer right now, but this is going to be airing um, closer to the fall. So what are some of your wine picks um, from La Pichun that people should have on their radar for fall? And what are some pairings that you would recommend? Yeah, so we love fall pairings and especially, you know, I think I immediately think of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um. Because Pinot pairs with turkey so well. And we have a, a Pinot that we make from the in- English Hill Vineyard that we actually like to call it Thanksgiving in a glass. <laughs> because it's got bright red fruits like cranberry. There's a citrus component. And since it's from the Sonoma Coast, there's also this peppery underbelly that mingles with juniper and cedar notes and it's just it's perfect because you you think you know because the old school rules are oh you pair reds with red or red meat and whites with fish and um I also love you know a chardonnay with butternut squash soup or my sister uh who lives in Colorado which is where I'm from um, she made us, uh, she created this amazing recipe for our wine club. It was a pesto and sausage flatbread that mm. also paired amazing with our Sonoma Coast Chardonnay. So that's kind of breaking the rules there on, you know, reds with meat. And as we just talked about Pinot and sausage pizza, the Chardonnay can also work amazing as well mm. with, the right, with the right flavors. So, you know, I, I guess... There's some good, there's some good, as with drinking wine or just, I'm trying to take out the, um, you mentioned, you know, some people find it intimidating or um, unapproachable. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to remove that with food pairings and also just with wine in general. I, I think that that's the biggest misconception about wine is that it, it's intimidating or unapproachable. And um, I'm also, I'm studying to take the next level of the sommelier exam. And I think oh. while those courses give great structure on how to approach a glass of wine, all that really matters, you know, do you, do you like it? How do, does it taste good to you? And what's fun for us is, we make, 
you know, for as small as we are, we make several different, we make seven different Pinot Noirs, three different Chardonnays, all from different vineyards, different styles, um, some from Sonoma Mountain, like the Vanderkamp Vineyard or the Holder Vineyard in Russian River. And I feel like there's something for everyone in that way. And so when I, when I do tastings or, you know, host private wine club events, I always encourage people to just speak from their heart. And I do the same, you know, sometimes I, I take a sip of our crisp, you know, bright Chardonnay and, and it reminds me of, you know, licking a wet rock after a fresh rain and you won't find that in a, in a book yeah. <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> and and I, I think that's okay. And so I feel like, you know, my job and what I get excited about is, is we're really, we're capturing time in a bottle for one mm-hmm. and vintage to vintage, it, it will never be the same. And, you know, we have an, a huge advantage in, in that we're small winery and we do everything by hand and we focus on the best quality grapes and the, you know, minimal intervention and quality practices. And I, I think that being small is our greatest asset, but I just, I want to make it approachable and create an experience for people and, and not have it be this overwhelming, intimidating thing. Yeah. That's great. I love that you said that. What do you think trips people up about wine the most? Like, why do you, you know, think it's this whole thing that people are so afraid of? I, I I think because they're they're concerned about what they're supposed to be tasting, and and they're you know it, it's. I remember when I was first drinking wine when I was working in a restaurant. I thought, oh, you know, it's it's intimidating. Or even you know, in these psalm courses, you stand up in front of your peers and you have to feel confident in what you're tasting. And, um, I I just, I, I think, you know, people don't want to just in general, I I think they don't want to look like a, like a fool, you know? And, Mm -hmm. And I think it should be fun and a shared experience rather than you have, you know, you have no idea what you're talking about at the, at the end of the day n- nobody does <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's so subjective right because yeah. um while I while I believe like I said there is some great structure and, and guidelines to how you can approach a glass of wine I I just I think it's um you know I uh, to, to be enjoyed and to create that shared experience and that's my goal yeah I love that you said that I think the same I think I've been really intimidated before I mean still I like I said I don't feel like I know a ton I started drinking wine because um, I started off as a travel writer right out of college and so I would get invited to these press trips and, you know, they always would have these dinners and wine pairings. And so mm-hmm. I didn't even like how wine tasted when I first started drinking it. But I was participating in these, you know, in these press trips and I went with it. And it was definitely experiences that I wasn't going to seek out on my own as a 22, 23-year-old, um, you know, sure. grad. And, I, you know, it, it definitely grew on me. And then I eventually loved it. Like, I love it now. And 
you know, love doing wine tastings and wine and food pairings, I think are so fun. Um, so fun. Yeah. And you know, and I, I really, I really encourage people when you're in a restaurant, talk, talk to the sommelier or, or the wine director and they know what's tasting good. They, they drink these wines all the time and they'll love to talk to you about it. Don't feel like you have to, you know, know what you, you're supposed to be picking. My favorite thing is getting introduced to a wine maybe I never tried or never heard of. And, um, or even, you know, in your local wine shop, mm-hmm. these guys, you know, as a small producer myself, before I made wine, my favorite thing was finding, and still is, finding these small underground producers making some really cool varietals that can just open your eyes. So I'm, I really am trying to help do my part anyway in making it less intimidating and, and more approachable. As you are in the trenches, so to speak, of the industry, of the wine industry right now, what do you think are the you know most exciting and most challenging parts about being in this business at this point in time? Yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of challenging things, especially we're so small. I, you know, I founded the winery and and am the acting CEO and focus on the sales. We have Andrew, who's our master winemaker, and then um, we have a director of marketing that helps us with things. And then my husband Peter is involved. Uh, his focus is more on international distribution, but so we're a, a small but mighty team and we, we wear a lot of different hats, but, you know, we're trying to stand out among 15,000 wineries. And, you know, I, I mentioned um, what's exciting about that is I, I think that in a short period of time, we're doing that because we're trying to, make wines of distinction that have potential to age. And we are working with these amazing, some of the best wineries um, out in West Sonoma County. And we like to do, you know, winemaker dinners or partner with restaurants um, in the area, or we'll go to different States across the country and, and do special wine club member events and, um, you know, have special releases and like a Magnum only release that we do, um, for one of our Pinot Noirs that we, you know, we bottle and pick everything by hand. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about vintage variation and, and capturing time in a bottle, but I think as, as wineries grow and they get really big, they say that they're doing you know, they want to capture that terroir or they, you know, will put different vineyard designates on the label, but it all starts to taste very homogenous. And we're really trying to honor that distinction and, and, you know, the difference vintage over vintage or between vineyards. And we really think even as we grow our small size, um, it, it really is our greatest asset. So, yeah. And I think that there's so many 
restaurants too that are looking for wineries like like yourself and they want a different experience when it comes to pairing the food and the wine and and bringing out something that's very special and not definitely just kind of generic and coming mass produced exactly we you know we want there to be a lot of character in our wines as well and you know as they continue to age it's um the the feedback that we've been getting um from press and reviewers is oh this tastes amazing now but i can't wait to see what this tastes like in five years or seven years ten years so i think we're we're on the right track and that's that's pretty exciting yeah definitely what is your go-to wine right now if you had oh my gosh so right now i you know it's summer and i am really excited about our rosé i you know, when we first started in 2012, there was a lot of rosé out there, but now there's a lot of rosé out there, and it's not all created equal, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> as I'm sure you will find. And um, I just, it's bright, and it's dry, and it's crisp, and it's fresh, and there's strawberry, like white strawberry, and there's watermelon, and it's just... I drink it too fast. And the other thing I'm <laughs> really excited about is our uh, Chenin Blanc that we release it to our wine club. We just released, we're getting ready to officially release it um, in August, our 2017 Chenin Blanc. Chenin is really hard to find in California. Back in the 60s and 70s, it was the most widely planted grape. And you heard me mention Chardonnay being the mm-hmm. most widely planted grape, everyone ripped out their Chenin Blanc and planted Chardonnay. Wow. And so we're really trying um, to, to help that grape stand on its own. It's been seen more as a Chardonnay extender, they called it, or it was, you know, popular in wine coolers in the 80s. But I, I'm really excited to see how our Shannon continues to evolve and just introducing that grape to a lot of people that maybe hadn't, hadn't tried it before. Yeah. And before we jump into our rapid fire kind of off topic questions, you mentioned your wine club a couple of times. Tell me a little bit about your wine club and what your members, um, what are the benefits for them? Yeah. So we, um, for our wine club, we do just two shipments a year, and which I think is great. A lot of wine clubs, they'll have you take four shipments a year, and you got to take a case, and then people just get burned out on your wine, mm-hmm. and we just want, ultimately, our, our goal is to make it about giving our members priority and first dips on our new releases because we're so small and the rosé is a perfect example. It goes so fast. Mm -hmm. They always get a first crack at it and first they get the priority access to a lot of our limited releases. And then we'll lay down, you know, special library wines for a while and they'll be able to get that in a shipment. Um, we don't always have those up for sale on the website or, you know, they're not readily available. And then we do special parties and um, we just did this amazing one this last spring. We did a three day VIP event 
um, at Boone Hotel in Guerneville, and nice. It it was fantastic, and we um, did you know a winemaker dinner for them. We did uh, La Pichune and Burgundy pairing, so we did Old World versus New World, which was really fun. And then we had an open house and live band, and then we did fried chicken and Pinot pool party. Ooh, and then that sounds awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and then, you know, we did a uh, pancake and pinot breakfast. So we're just, like, like, I keep saying, like, we're trying to create an experience. But to me, that's what's fun. And regardless of what I've done, in, you know, in my career previously, whether it was doing sales or marketing, I also used to be an ER nurse. And I, I feel like my job is to have a positive impact on people and, and creating this shared experience and wine is a fantastic vehicle to be able to do that. Definitely. I agree. Well, this has been so much fun. <laughs> yeah. I have loved chatting. I feel like I learned a lot too. So I'm excited to release this episode to our audience before um, we wrap up. I always do these kind of off topic rapid fire style questions with everyone. Are you up for that? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, so number one, what is the last TV show or movie that you watched? Oh, Big Little Lies. I don't know if you watched that. Yes, I'm a big fan. Tell me what your thoughts are. Well, two words, Meryl Streep. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she's amazing. She really is. Um, I read the – did you read the book previously or are you watching it? I didn't. I wish I did. And, you know – I mean, it might still be me, worth it. I, I think it might be, but um, I didn't think there needed to be a second season. Yes. I really loved the first season, and I thought that it just ended perfectly, and it just took your breath away, right? And then, so, but I, I love those girls so much, and I love the story, and, and then you throw Meryl Streep into the mix. How, how can you? you not watch that so I still really enjoyed it but no comparison to season one definitely I loved it I think I read the book and thought the first season was really true to the novel and was a little bit hesitant when they said they were bringing a second season because it ends where the first season ends but then like you said Meryl Streep when they said she was (laughs) casted and I was like okay fine then I'll watch it (laughs) that's exactly what I said I said I'm not watching it and then I I saw that Meryl Streep was involved. I'm like, all right, series record. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, number two, if you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Oh, man, that's really tough. But the first thing that comes to mind is cheese. Okay. <laughs> I love cheese. We talked about thin crust, wood-fired sausage pizza, I I think that's got to be on the list. That sounds like it should be on the list, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then pie. I, I love pie. I love pie. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? I like fruit pie. I love, you know, straight-up apple pie, but I love a strawberry rhubarb. I love, you know... I had a lemon chest pie I'd never had before. I just, I love pie. And the crust has to be spot on, so. 
Yeah, the crust makes a difference for sure with anything. We're not counting calories. Of course, this is some utopian world where (laughs) you could eat whatever you want. (laughs) Right. That's how, that's, that's what came to mind. That's on the top of my Love it. Tip of my tongue, great. yeah. Some pizza followed by some pie. I think that's great. And you could throw the wine in there as well. Yeah, exactly. Number three, what is your favorite place that you've ever traveled to? Well, so far, I would have to say the south of France. And that that's where our family property is. Mm-hmm. And there's just something magical about the Mediterranean and I don't understand why their baguettes and croissants taste so amazing and the sun and the landscape it's just I'm in love with it yes I love it I've been to I need to make another trip there because I went on a Mediterranean cruise um that stopped in Cannes um and it was really nice but I think that there's probably so much more um, oh yeah, that that area. There's little um, villages and nooks yes. and crannies and little pockets of Provence wine country, and it's a pretty special place. Yeah, it's on my list to to go back to. So cool, I love that. Number four, what's one thing most people would never guess about you? So I tend to be a very excited, passionate personality and I think people would be surprised that I actually find enjoyment in being quiet interesting you know I think that that's for entrepreneurs that tends to be so many more entrepreneurs I think have said that than I would imagine I think that's so interesting because I'm such an extroverted person and I get a lot of energy from people and Mm -hmm. just um you know, or live music or whatever it is, but I, I love being quiet and just not even necessarily doing anything. It's, it's magic. Cool. Are you into meditation? Yeah, I am. Or yoga Mm -hmm. or, um, yeah. Or just sitting in a hammock and letting the breeze hit your face and or even just reading a book like that that's how you know when you're firing on all cylinders where you're just like I just wish I could just sit and read a book yeah yeah and you're in such a beautiful area of the country too to do that oh yeah we're very very lucky there's not a day that goes by that I don't appreciate it. I live in Healdsburg in Sonoma County and it's, it's a fantastic place to be. And I feel pretty lucky to get to live here. Yeah. Well, Tracy, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and sharing a little bit more about your passion and your business. Where can people find more about you and La Pichunga? Yeah, you can go to our website, lapichoon.com, and, um, you know, we're also on Instagram or Facebook, um, it's Lapichoon Winery, and you'll find us, and um, even if people want to get on our mailing list so you can keep tabs on where the next party's going to be and see what we're up to, we'd love to 
to share a glass with you. And I really enjoyed talking with you. I, I find that I'm really hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking the same and thing. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I think it might be time to find something to pair with a nice glass of wine. Yeah, definitely. And people can order your wine online too, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Just through our website, um, you'll you'll be able to see it, lapichun.com. And um, if you have any questions, you can contact contact me directly. I'm happy to help answer anything I can. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you want to check out more interviews in the Better Food Stories series, you can follow me at Audrea Greenhoff on Medium or visit audreagreenhoff.com. I'm also Audrea Greenhoff on Twitter and Instagram.